This episode of Friendless is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My sweet babies, welcome back to a brand new episode of Friendless with me, your host, as always, James Avramenko. Once again, back on my endless attempt to end up with no friends on Facebook. This week, I unfriend Dave Smith, a scenic painter, set designer, and all-around production whiz. We talk about band versus theater in high school, black box theaters, teaching university during the pandemic, maintaining long-distance friendships, and the best breakfast. Dave is an absolute gem, and you're going to love the episode. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show for some news about Friendless and its affiliate shows. Ooh. But that is then. This is now. So for now, lay back and enjoy my interview with Dave Smith here on Friendless. So this week, I have a dear friend of mine from back in my my uh, lunchbox days uh, when I was first the, let's see, I was the audience services and then I became box office manager. And my my good friend Dave Smith was always sitting in the back room, <laughs> just feet up, eating a sandwich, probably stealing a bag of chips <laughs> and just uh, telling me what to do, even though he wasn't my boss. <laughs> I like how you just completely um, diminished everything I did at Lunchbox to basically that. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, but yeah, maybe maybe you just never saw me actually working. I, it was rare. It was yeah. hard. Um, well, you know what? You know what? You know why though? It's because when you were working, it was always behind closed doors, right? Yeah. Because you would be in the theater. Because um, you were the the scenic, or what was the exact title? My I started as technical director uh, my first year there, but then when you were there, I was the production and operations manager. Right. Okay. And so, like, because Lunchbox is such a small team, you were like basically. I mean, not to diminish what JP no. cre- uh, contributed, but like in a lot of ways you were kind of one man team a lot of the time and uh so often i'd be at the box office and you just hear music blaring and <laughs> and then you know i'd poke my head in and you'd just be like mad sciencing stuff right and that, that was like, kind of my mo the loud music <laughs> in the theater was yeah. was definitely a statement that i would make yeah you're like today i'm doing i'm making bricks <laughs> <laughs> wild like that and i'd be like well those are flats david so i'm not <laughs> sure how you're gonna do that but... yeah uh, so so um something i always find really interesting is that you know obviously we have our sort of pocket relationship that that will will get you in and sure. out of throughout the yeah. conversation um in terms of you know being co-workers at lunchbox but i'm always fascinated fascinated to hear let's say um the end of the story is and then one day I was in my office, feet up, eating a stolen bag of chips, and this this skinny, beautiful, bespeckled man came in and said, "And now I work here." Um, so if that's the end of the story, yeah, what what gets you to working at Lunchbox? Like, um, do do you have a a long history in theater, or is it sort of a a mishmash? Um, what what kind of got you into that 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 world? I mean, how far back do you want me to go? Like, I was born in high-level Alberta. <laughs> Wherever you feel like that story <clears throat> needs to start. Okay. Uh, 
drama never interested me until junior high. Mm. Um, when I was growing up, I, I didn't think anything of it. And then, <laughs> uh, I think it's really funny that my career path changed because I heard that the drama teacher was good looking. <laughs> so good lord david (laughs) i'm being honest man we were we were picking our options going into junior high and one of my friends was like yeah we did the open house and the the drama teacher is really cute and i was like cool cute teachers are always fun especially in a small town where there's like not a lot of teachers as it is so Mm. um i started in drama and then like was instantly a convert i i did drama every year in junior high and high school um, I did band and drama. I played the trombone for three years in junior high. And then when it came to high school, I could only do band or drama. Um, there was only mm. room in my schedule for one and band had to get kicked to the curb because I, I couldn't give up drama. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I'd always had this idea that I was going to be a, a teacher and probably a drama teacher. Cause my mom was a teacher. My grandma was a teacher. My great grandma was a teacher, you know, just blah, blah, blah. It kind of fell yep. into line right there. And, and I, I liked the idea of teaching. And so, um, so when I went, when I applied to university, I always figured that I would just end up going into, into like education. Well, Mm -hmm. when I got to university, um, I still had these ideas that I was going to be an actor because that's what I did in in junior high and high school. Like I, I had no idea that technical theater was even a thing you could get paid to do. Right. Um, Because we had, we did two shows a year. Um, and like the lights just kind of happened and the set just kind of happened. And I mean, they weren't big sets. They were just kind of pillars or something. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like in my junior high plays, it was always just, uh, we're just, we had to set every play in the same setting because it was the mm. only backdrop we had. Right. So we just, sure. we always had to figure out how to make our play be set in a field. Because... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was just where we had to be. Right? That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I remember we did Cinderella and we had just like a few columns and that mm-hmm. was our set. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think we had mirrors roll on and off or something like that, but the lighting, I, I had no idea that you could even like, we just had whatever lights were up in the theater. And so we used those and, and, you know, for our little class projects and stuff. And then apparently we had actual lighting, to, you know, one of the teachers came in and designed lights for us for oh, our actual okay. show. But <clears throat> so it never, it never occurred to me that this is something you could actually be a professional at doing um so when i got to university i was like i'm gonna be the the best actor this world has ever seen that was a real like small or big fish in a small pond mentality yeah um and and i got there and there were some phenomenal actors who were in the in the department who were significantly better than i was (laughs) so that was that was a humbling experience yeah yeah it always uh, that one always hurts doesn't it? (laughs) yeah yeah so i was like okay well I, I mean, it, I auditioned for drama, um, but or for for subsequent acting classes, and I didn't do very well, and and um, so I got into technical theater because the everybody in their first year had to take a technical theater course, and part of that was doing hands on work, like uh, loading in sets or hanging lights or being wardrobe crew or something like that. And I ended up hanging hanging focusing lights for a production, and mm. fell in love with it. Like I, I realized that I had a kind of a knack for it and you know i didn't mind working at height and and the idea of like working the wrench and everything and it, it all made perfect sense in my brain and so totally. i kind of shifted gears and started taking design classes instead still thinking that i would be in education well then um 
after my third year of university, I went to New Hampshire with a professor of mine to help him paint a ballet down there. And um, while we were there, he started putting the idea in my head about grad school. And he's like, I'm going to retire soon. But if you stay, if you do grad school right after you finish your undergrad, I will stick around and I will wait until you're done before I retire. Okay. So that's a pretty, and like this guy, like he, he, I mean, he worked in the States. He he was born in the States and worked down there for years. Um, I think he taught at Northwestern University for a while. Um, I mean, that's an incredible opportunity. That's a once in a lifetime. Like you, you kind of can't say no to that. That's exactly it. And so, yeah. so I finished my, my undergrad in um, December of 2006 and in January of 2007, jumped right into grad school. Awesome. But it was kind of around this time that, you know, even in my my third or fourth year where I was like, I don't know if I want to be a teacher anymore. I just want to to design. Mm -hmm. This is way more interesting to me. And so I started designing um, somewhat professionally and just doing as much as I could at the university and outside the university, wherever I could just to get to get experience. And then I started grad school and then then I just started freelancing when I got through grad school. And Mm -hmm. um, so then. You know, I was with grad school, I started TAing and I realized that I actually really do enjoy the teaching aspect just from more of a uh, post-secondary institution and not, I don't want to teach shithead junior highs like I was. (laughs) So super fair, right? So a lot of the work I was doing was, was to get experience so that I felt comfortable applying for, for post-secondary teaching positions. Um, but it got to a point. So in 2012, I got my first gig out in theater Northwest up in Prince George. Uh-huh. And uh, so I worked with Samantha McDonald, who ended up gotcha. becoming the, the artistic producer at Lunchbox. Yeah. Um, so I we became really, really good friends my first time out there. And then the second time I went up there in 2014, I ended up staying at her house. Mm. Now, at this point, I was pretty burnt out on theater. Um, I was getting some design work, but not a lot. I was getting, um, I was working at kind of a shitty theater job. I didn't like my, I didn't like my boss. I didn't like my, my situation. So I was, I was looking for other work, but I wasn't looking for other work simply in theater. I was just looking to make a change in my life. Sure. Um, and then I was doing this while I was in Samantha's kitchen up in Prince George. I was just looking for jobs. And so she kind of knew that I wasn't happy. And, um, then four months later, she ended up getting the job as the artist or sorry, as the production manager at lunchbox mm-hmm. and she needed a technical director. So she hired me to, to do that job. And then when she became the uh, associate artistic producer, then I got promoted to production manager. Right. And then one day I was sitting in the office with my feet up on the desk, eating a stolen <laughs> bag of chips. This lovely, beautiful to be speckled man came in and said, well, I work here now. <laughs> And that man was Liam Volk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bless that man's heart. That's fantastic. I, you know, I'm, you know, so coming into the sort of the lunchbox world, I, I, you know, I, I can't help but feel, but like the the lunchbox system and the sort of the lunchbox um, ecosystem mm-hmm. is for me. For my money, it's the best version of theater. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, because it, it's so it's flexible. We have where that you you can have small shows or you can have like relatively speaking for Canadian theater at least um, large large cast you know you can have a half dozen or mm-hmm. even upwards of you know eight nine and um, 
and really comfortably do it. You know, I still think one of the best pieces of theater I ever saw there was the uh, was the Wonderful Life. You know, it's a Wonderful yeah. Life. Was, yeah, that show was incredible. But um, but yeah, it's you know, it's a, it was such a beautiful little pocket of time that I count myself so lucky to have been able to 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 be a part of. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, so when you so when you're there, um, you ended up sort of you were not relatively speaking, you weren't there that long. Um, because you know, when I came in, I was only there, I was there probably, but, uh, just under two years mm-hmm. and you, um, you had already gone off to, to teach in Lethbridge. So what kind of, what kind of got you into that? Into teaching? Yeah. Cause you know, you speak about like wanting to teach and then suddenly you got this opportunity to. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just to, to your first point, um, I wasn't there a whole long time, but that is kind of the beauty of lunchboxes. Nobody yeah. ever spends their entire career at lunchbox. It's definitely yes. like a, a, a lily pad for a frog yeah. to jump on, right? And what a um, great way of what a great description for that. Thank you. Yeah, like yeah. I just think about my the people who followed me, like Sarah, um, mm-hmm. who who got that job for a year or two years and then moved on, and I think she's she's working with Calgary Opera right now, and yeah. and like it's just it's such a great place to to get some professional experience, make a a bunch of great contacts, and yeah. then and then move on to bigger and better things. And I don't think mm-hmm. anybody at Lunchbox resents it because nobody's a lifer, right? No, <clears throat> so it's um it's it was a great place and such a nurturing environment mm-hmm. but when you when you decided it was time to move on there was nothing but well wishes for for you because it was just such a uh a comfortable place to be but you know and, and so and you know the team that we had was incredible and everybody just god, wanted nothing it. but but the best for everybody else right yeah so, oh yeah. my god i cried i cried when i had to quit i i was i was so upset i will and it was just like i mean i was also like terrified because i was like moving to saskatoon so I was sure. like, what the fuck what the fuck have you done to my life wife <laughs> <laughs> but i just i was so upset and i was like and i just like i you know yeah it just that was a that was a rough morning <laughs> yeah yeah literally yesterday i was cleaning up the office and came across the the farewell card that samantha mcdonald wrote for me as i yeah. as i embarked onto this new adventure and like even almost you know three and a half years later it just guts me like it's such yeah. a it's such a a personal note that she wrote to me and it just broke my heart but you know there was no animosity and there was just nothing of but course. like i just I, I can't believe this is the end but is it the end and like anyway it was just it yeah. was beautiful and so you know i <laughs> i think about my time at lunchbox very fondly I uh, I still remember um because uh, you know there was that there was that uh, that wall of quotes and I was always mm. so jealous because I never made it on the board and I was always like I'm funny too I say funny <laughs> stuff why am I not on the board and then finally I finally made it on by uh, you'll love this I don't know if you know this or not but uh, we were at my like sort of like farewell you know farewell drinks after a shift and, sure and I did this thing I I sort of I sort of ambushed everybody with this thing because I had everyone like go around the, as, as they were, as they each said something, I had each of them say something nice to me. And, uh, and then, and then I, and then I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, now you say something Now you said, and then I went around and I said something just like devastatingly nice to each of them. <laughs> Cause they were all sort of like, okay, James, you're arrogant. Fuck. You know, and yeah. then I was like really nice. But, uh, but uh, to Sarah, I, <laughs> I said, I'm so glad Dave quit. <laughs> <laughs> I 
because without that, I would have never worked with her, right? Sure. You know? And uh, and uh, and that that one went right up on the wall, and I was very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. But um, but um, so you're now so so what exactly are you teaching now in uh, Lethbridge? It's U of L, right? It, it right. is the University of Lethbridge. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I got hired as the the scenic design instructor. Um, but I kind of teach all things technical theater. So this semester I'm teaching a stage and production management class. Um, so and how is it, uh, like, how is it with, um, you know, the fact that the world's ending and nobody's treating, <laughs> uh, uh, nobody's treating it like it, it the world's fucking ending. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is the last podcast that you'll ever record. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, I, Every time somebody asks how it's going, I my answer becomes more and more negative. Yeah. <laughs> At the beginning, it's like, it's not bad. And now I'm just, I fucking hate it, man. I mean, yeah. I, I understand why we're doing it. And, you know, from a health standpoint, I don't mind not having my lungs, which are already fucked up enough. Um, yeah. my, I, I don't mind not the possibility of not. Sorry, let me retract that. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't mind that protective aspect that comes with me not being on campus every day. Totally. Um, so from that aspect, I feel, I feel okay with it, but like, mm-hmm. I'm just so much better in the classroom and, and yeah. theater is such a tactile thing. Even if it's, even if it's stage management and production management, these are, yeah. these are hands on things that you're doing. In and so room. trying to, to teach people how to be a production manager or a stage manager over the internet is yeah. really frustrating. That's something I can't imagine is like, not only like, cause obviously there needs to be health restrictions. That's no, mm-hmm. nobody's arguing against yeah. that. It's just that at the end of the day, I can't see it being a benefit to the students to continue studying. Like I, I can't help but wonder if it should just be on hiatus for the time being, because you, it doesn't feel like you can provide the service that's deserved, especially for like the amount of money that these kids are putting in, you know, like it's just not, I just don't see it as fair. Yeah. I think, I think that universities are encountering, encountering that right now, James. I think yeah, a lot of people have taken a year off because yeah. why the hell would they come back to school and pay money to sit and look at a, at a computer? Um, Just get a Skillshare account. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like fuck it. Right. <laughs> um, I think a lot of students, especially in theater, uh, I talked to at least one who is doing no theater classes this year and is yeah. doing all her electives because it's easier to do the electives. Like, you know, you can do math and English and stuff like that online. It's just, it's not as it's, you'd still rather be in the classroom, but it's, it's more doable than theater, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I feel really bad for my, a, a couple of girls in my stage management class who are, who stage managed our, our production this semester, but it was an online production. So how the hell do you stage manage an online production? Right. And so oh my God, the delay for, for calling a queue. Oh my God. God. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I actually didn't have a chance to see it because it, it the last show was on Saturday and I was, I was hoping to get home for the show and then um, definitely didn't get home until like 10 o'clock that night. Cause I was up in uh, Calgary for the afternoon and I was oh, like, Ooh, yeah. that did not work the way I wanted it to. So I missed the show. <laughs> um, but it was cool because they actually did. Um, they like everybody, it was basically a zoom webinar is how they did the show. Um, and there were people all over Canada. Like one of the, one of the performers in it lived up in, or lives up in Yellowknife. Oh yeah. And so Casey was able to do it from her home in Yellowknife. And so like a lot of it was more 
um like i'm not i think nag was more kind of taking care of the notes and stuff and we they actually had a, a zoom operator but um you know as far as cues go there weren't a lot because you know there's there's nothing there's nothing preset right so mm-hmm. she might have told nicole to to go from one to the other but that was kind of the extent of it so i'm not sure i'm not sure exactly how it went i heard that it went you know the, the show went pretty successfully but um just not entirely sure how it uh how it actually happened so right well and that's yeah. the thing too to keep in mind and i and i have to check myself all the time with it is that it's like it's not it's not that it's worse it's just that it's different right yeah. and that's the thing that we're getting used to is that it's not it's not what we traditionally perceive to be what we want from theater, right? Certainly. It's, it's yeah. this whole other experience. And, and, and I do think that there's a lot of very hidden, hidden benefits in it. Like you say about it's, it's suddenly reaching like, why would you just keep your piece of theater regional when you can have it international if you want sure. to, yeah. like, like, it, you know, um, the, the great, barrier of theater in general is that it is inherently regional right mm-hmm. and, and and so many people get caught up in this thought that like if i'm really popular in calgary theater then i must be popular in toronto and it's like no nobody knows who the fuck you are the moment you leave <laughs> the moment you leave your city nobody knows who the fuck you are even yeah. like very very popular very very successful people nobody knows who the fuck you are i well, don't care i don't care what it is you know and that's fine that's not a complaint it's just the truth and I so can, yeah so so we, we now that we're applying digital to it it's suddenly it's you're reaching a different audience and you're reaching an audience that wants to interact with the digital media and so that's really exciting you know? yeah yeah i can think of a few actors who have come you know who who have done enough work in calgary who who are from toronto that you know they might have a little bit more infamy oh, in, sure. in the regional theater areas but at the same time like they're still not a household name they're a household no. name to people who go to theater they're not a household Bingo. name to to everybody in calgary Exactly. It's a widely, it's a, a widely different thing. And right. I don't mean that to be insulting on anybody. No, just, no, no, no. It's just, I, I think it's a caveat that we need to internalize better because I think that people, especially like developing artists, I think get it in their head that they're going to be celebrities through theater. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, no. If you, if you want to be famous, cool, that's fine. Go be famous. But like, go be on YouTube or like yeah. go do movies or like go do something else. Like there is no fame in theater, no. you know, you know? And so, so you got to get, get out of that, that mentality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um... um, so, you know, as, as I say often on the show um, is a, a real, a real sort of quandary for me in, in my grand, in my whole life has been, you know, the question of, have I been a good friend? Mm-hmm. And and how do I figure that out? How do I get to the bottom of what have I done that's good? What have I done yeah. that's caused harm? And and so I feel like what's important at the very root of it is to figure out what it is to be a friend. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it's so fascinating because everybody has at, at times similar and yet wildly different definitions of it. So I'm always curious to hear um, how you define friendship. <laughs> you know, when you sent me these questions like a week and a half ago, I read them that day and I, I, I've been mulling them over and I haven't actually written anything down because, you know, I don't, I don't want to read off a script, but like, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a hard thing yeah, to consider because like, I would, I would consider you a friend. Like we've got a, a, you know, a four year history and, and, you know, we've, we've, we haven't, you know, we, we realize we haven't spoken in a long time, like 
actually spoken, but like we mm-hmm. still keep in, keep tabs on each other. And and so then then I started thinking like, have I been a good friend to James? Or like, <sighs> friendship is so interesting because you can be friends with a person and then just things fizzle and things and yes. things fade out, right? And and you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a life thing. I think mm-hmm. that that you know you have friends based on situation. Like I think about the the friends that that I had in in elementary school and junior high and high school, and I keep in touch with two of them, three of yeah. them. Yeah, right? one one I started keeping in touch with recently because he was living in Lethbridge when I moved down here, so we kind of rekindled a, a friendship. But like, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um. But like. And it's not to say I didn't I didn't appreciate those people that I grew up with. It's just they were my friends at that time of my life. But you know, you move on and and as a I, I how old are you? When were you born? Like eighty eight? Uh eighty seven. I'm I'm thirty thirty okay. uh what am I now? I'm thirty three. <laughs> thirty something. But like I fucking know Yeah, right. Um as a thirty as a thirty three year old, as a thirty seven year old, I mean, do you feel like how many good close friends can you have without yeah. feeling like you're overwhelmed? And and I, I don't know. Does that so. sound make me sound bad because I feel like I'm overwhelmed with friendship? But it's like I can't maintain a friendship with everybody I was friends with because that's that's a lot of work, and I feel bad well, saying it. Yeah. And the, well, that's I mean that's really the heart of the show is that like I would love to be the friend I wish I could be mm-hmm. to everybody I wish I could be a friend to, right? But it's just not possible. And so to take care of it, it's this weird thing of like, it's like, it's it's like, it's not reverse psychology, but it's the same sort of like, it's the idea okay. of like, it's the idea of like, you know, if I want to do this, I actually have to do the opposite of it in order mm. to protect myself and to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Like, in order to be a good friend to as many people as I can, I actually have to pull back from being a friend to yeah. people, you yeah. know, and. And it's not to say we're now enemies. It's sure. just to say I don't have the space to give what I'd like to give. Um, and so so when I can, I will. And when I can't, I won't. Right. Uh, agreed. And I think that's and I think that's what it comes down to. And, yeah. you know, I, I think about one of my best friends. Um, I we, we were on the same floor in in university in our first year of university. Like she lived down another hallway. But like she and I, we had a, a close group of friends and. You know that that friendship group has kind of gone by the wayside. You know, I, I I still keep in contact with a couple of them, but Megan and I, you know, she's still one of my favorite people. She came to my wedding last summer or last fall, um, and I hadn't seen her other than when we dropped off her wedding invitation um, right. in like two or three years. And she lived like when I lived in Calgary, she literally lived a five minute walk away from me. Hmm. But she had three kids. And she's, you know, she's a marketing manager for a a company or something like that. And like, she has a busy life and I had a busy life, but there was no offense to the fact that, that we didn't see each other all the time because we both were living our own lives. But when we saw each other, it was like no time had passed. And so to me, I think, I think a true good friend is somebody who, when you talk to them, you, you enjoy that time and you know you can you can laugh and you can you can reminisce about the good times and and times that pass and you can talk about things that you're doing that that they might not be privy to but there's also no hard feelings when you don't hear from that person in a year mm-hmm. because because you under there is that understanding that i can't 
text you every day, but yeah. you're still kind of dear to me. So I don't know if that like that is that is to me a sign of a, of a really good friend who is somebody who who roots for you, but doesn't mm. you, doesn't take offense when you know you're not you're not talking to them all the time. Okay, this one could be pretty quick. Uh, what is the best breakfast? <laughs> God, I love this question. Honestly, man, this is this is my favorite part of the show is just hearing what people come up with because it's so unique and it's so telling to, to each person. Um, what is the best breakfast? I mean, like if well, you're going to a breakfast place and you're going to order something, what what would you typically order? So I'll tell you this. If I'm going to a restaurant, I'm probably not ordering breakfast because breakfast food is so easy to make that it feels like a cop out to order it. Okay. Um, I'd always like, I'd always rather order something that I couldn't make at home. Okay. Um, so it's really hard for me to justify ordering breakfast food. Um, except for, I guess the exception would be like eggs Benedict. Um, was, yeah. Okay. Right. Because like, it's a pain in the ass to make hollandaise sauce. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially good, like edible hollandaise sauce. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, um so I guess I would say some elaborate eggs Benedict. Um, or the other thing I would say is um, there was a restaurant in Victoria called Floyd's, um, which I, I don't know if I think has closed down since, but it was like a, a staple of, of you know my time there. And they had a thing called the Mahoney where you would um, – you wouldn't know what it was. They would just, it would be, I think it was like 20 bucks, but it was like, it was like massive. And um, they'd, they'd bring it to you. You'd order it. It would just, it was, it would be whatever the chef decided they were going to cook for you that day. And, uh, and then at the end you could either pay or you could do like a double or nothing. So you could flip for a coin and either uh, pay nothing for your breakfast or you'd pay double. And, but it was oh. always worth it because it was always like, it was a huge, like you would get like three meals out of one. It's like the kind of skip thing, scramble you know? from Arrested Development. <laughs> like actually though, like it was massive. And, uh, and, uh, and so, yeah. So if I had to choose one breakfast food, it would be the Mahoney from okay. Floyd's. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is so like region specific. It's like <laughs> nobody yeah, else listening to this is like I don't. But everybody exactly. in Victoria is like hell yeah, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Connexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner, and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Conexus Credit Union. So so uh, this is always a fun question. I love this question so much, and I, I think you'll have a fun one, um, or at least you better have a fun one. Um, <laughs> uh, what is your most vivid memory of our friendship? See, like this was the one I was most interested to to talk about because mm. actually, like when 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 you signed me on to do this, I kind of went through our our friendship on our Facebook, um, yeah, because it'll be the last time. Um, <laughs> And I was looking at all of our random wall posts and I just yeah. like, there's kind of a sense like it's bittersweet because I know why we're doing this and you know, I'm totally down with it, but like, it's fun to look at a friendship and like ours was so random. It was just like, like I, I posted once about like, all I put was like a, 
was like so and so is the most underrated character, and it was um, a Friday Night Lights reference. And I think you just put like buddy. That's all you responded with. And like, to me, there's something so telling about that. Um, But I was looking back to see when we became friends and stuff like that, just to kind of answer some of your questions. But Mm -hmm. we had some great times in, in lunchbox, but they all kind of blur together. If that makes any sense. Like I can't pick out one example of you coming in and saying my sweet baboo in (laughs) right. But honestly, one of my, one of the most vivid memories I have, from our friendship was I would say two weeks after we became like after your first shift or second shift at lunchbox. Um, and it was the day you quit at ATP Oh, <laughs> because I was downtown. I don't know if I was working or if I was, I just happened to be downtown and you were sitting outside um, the Calgary tower complex on just on a bench. And I was like, Hey man. And I like sat down beside and you're like, I just quit at ATP. <laughs> and then we just sat and chatted for like 20 minutes outside about nothing like just yeah. about the most inane shit but i was like okay this guy and i like we we clearly get along because like the conversation was just so easy and i just remember yeah. like i don't know why why that one sticks out but i just like i think you were just i don't know if you were lost or just like kind of holy shit i just quit but like you yeah. were just kind of sitting there like you're almost directionless at the time i guess yeah. And we just sat that's, and shot the shit for a couple hours or for like half so, an hour. That's so funny. Cause I, re- I, I had sort of forgotten about that moment until you mentioned it. And, and then suddenly I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Right? Um, because I had, it had been a very, it had been a really brutal, like I, I, sometimes I equate, uh, I mean, fuck, if bosses are going to get to say we're like a family at work, then I'm going to get to equate it to a bad breakup. Um, Okay, yeah. Which I think which I think is all really bad language, but it's the best (laughs) language I've got right now. You know, your 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 work is not your family. Stop saying that. Everyone, whoever's listening to this, stop saying your work is your family. But uh, (laughs) but but um, but but but, yeah, it was it was a really, really toxic. um, Not because like like I worked for um, for for Sophie, Sophie Clark, who was my at the time I was the assistant front of house and she was my front of house manager mm-hmm. and she's phenomenal but i had really bad experience with um uh, somebody just above her and okay. so so um just in case anybody's like oh no it's sophie like no she was the best but um <laughs> but i just i had really i just really bad experiences with with that sort of middle management level and okay. uh and it sucked and it sucked because i loved that job and i loved the experience yeah. i i love front of house i love you know i was why i was so lucky to to fall into the audience services at lunchbox because i love that stuff i love meeting people i love greeting everybody mm-hmm. you know it's it's i love the kind of job where you can uh you can um it's sort of the same task every day but it's always with somebody new so it's always a little different mm-hmm. you know um it's why i thrive in like it, as as menial as it is it's why i kind of thrive in retail because it's like you've got the the end goal is the same but the, how you get there is always oh. a little bit different right Being, you know and i worked at lush for 3 months one summer yeah. and it was like the best job i've ever had because there was no Great. pressure and like mm-hmm. just you know at the risk of sounding boastful i'm a fairly congenial person and <laughs> and it was just so like I just come in and just be my normal, pleasant self and just mm-hmm. talk to customers. I loved it. Yeah. So I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so it just, yeah, it hurt. It hurt to quit that job. Mm-hmm. And then, but I knew I had to. And so I, I remember, I remember, you know, cause it had been, it was sort of a series of, of conversations and a sort of a series of things. And, and I think what had happened that day, cause that was when I like went in to like sign my, my, you know, my, all the final paperwork. And, sure. You know? And, and so I was sitting there just being like, 
oh fuck (laughs) now what yeah you know and uh and uh and i was actually so grateful that i that of of all people because it's like one of those it's one of those excuse me it's one of those magic moments where um i was sitting sort of wondering what to do and and then you came out of the crowd and was like hey chatted and and it was such a i mean you know it is one of those sort of kismetic moments sure. of like, because yeah. within months I've been working at, at Lunchbox right. regularly, you know, so it's just, um, it was a very calming moment for yeah. me, right? Well, so I'm actually good. very grateful for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, it's funny I wouldn't that... say I'm often a calming presence to people, so. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're, you're in, you're in Lethbridge. I'm in Saskatoon. Yeah. Somehow we're talking thanks to the miracles yeah. of technology. Um, and, you know, we, we've alluded to it before about sort of what is friendship, but I'm mm-hmm. really curious to hear what your thoughts are on what it's going to take to continue being a good friend into 2021. <laughs> I mean, I don't know when you started writing this question, whether it was pre pandemic or post pandemic, but like the world is just so fucked up right now. Um, and, and it's just so hard to be a friend to anybody other than through a phone or through a screen, right? Like, you know, right now, I'm not sure what the the regulations are in, in, in Saskatchewan, but you know, at this moment, we're not in lockdown. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not in lockdown, but we goddamn well should be anyway. (laughs) Um, you know, we're, but, but no social gatherings of any sort, unless you go to a fucking church i guess but um i know it's i'm not getting into the politics i'm angry enough about politics we'll just move on from that but um but because of just the nature that we're in you know i'm i find i'm sending a lot more text messages and it might just be like hey how's it going been thinking about you today just hope you're doing well and sometimes that's all it takes and to be honest like since i moved down here that's been a lot of the way i've maintained friendships is because you know, I can't go and see my good friends up in Calgary for a drink, right? And so, yeah, exactly. you know, I've had to spend a lot of time just texting and just being like, hey, man, how's it going? Or, hey, hey, how's mm-hmm. like, just thinking about you today. I hope you're doing well. I might be up in Calgary in a couple of weeks. If I am, can we go for coffee, right? Yeah. Like, and and then, like, I was up in, in Calgary this summer doing some house renovations with my brother-in-law. And, and I said, like, I texted a couple of friends. I'm like, I'm in Calgary. Let's try and get a time to get together. And then we ended up, I worked 14 hour days. And by the time I got home, I was exhausted. I was like, well, I can't, I can't tonight. And so then it just turned into not meeting up, but like making that effort to just like, you know, sometimes I'll just scroll through my, my contacts on my phone and be like, okay, I haven't talked to this person in a long time. Okay. I'm going to send them a message today. That's such a good idea. I think that that's such a, something I've been trying really hard to pull out of these, these, this question, this series of questions mm-hmm. is like, what are some actionable things? Because I think that, um, I know for me, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, for me personally, it's a very overwhelming question mm. to, to say, be a good friend, yeah. right? But if instead you say, well, today I'll send a nice text message. Like mm-hmm. that's something that's like actionable and and palatable, right? Like it's something that I can process. Yeah. Um, because it's a, it's just a, it's a bite. It's not a, it's not a whole pie. Exactly. Know? Yeah. And, uh, and I love that. I love that 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 idea of like find somebody you haven't texted in a while and text them something nice, right? Yeah. Because um, there's people who live at at the top of my, you know, on the on my the top ten messages on my my. I guess my text messages, they're all the same people. 
right? Because they're totally. the people I keep oh, in contact totally. with regularly, but then it's the ones who are further down, right? You know, you yeah. go to the, to the end of your, your, cause I, fuck, I hardly ever delete my text messages. It's a terrible. I, habit. Just, I don't. Yeah. I love it. I actually, I, I gotta say, I wish more people kept their text messages because I find them to be fascinating. Right. When you like, you look back a couple of years and it's like, it's like a, it's like an excavation of a different language. Absolutely. <laughs> and so like, and you know, I, I keep them because sometimes somebody will send me a funny picture. I'm like, Oh fuck, where's that picture? Especially like people I'm in regular contact with. And it's just yeah. like, it's nice to, to see that, that evolution of that friendship. Right. Um, yeah. So I, you know, unless I finally have a phone with a decent enough room, but like, unless I'm running out of memory and I have to get rid of some stuff, right. I never delete my tax messages. Um, yeah. But yeah, I totally agree. It's just nice. Like it's nice to be able to do that. But sometimes there's people at the bottom of that screen. It's like, man, I haven't texted that person since literally 2017 time to fire right. them a text message, put them at the top yeah. of that text pile. Yeah. I wish I had a, uh, well, I not, not, I wish I'm going to work on having better confidence with that mm. because that's something that really, I really admire that, that confidence in being able in being comfortable to do that because it's something that I struggle with. Right. Um, I I've talked often on the show about like, I, I really struggle with like social anxieties and sure. I really struggle with a lot of like, you know, I'm sure there's like a lot of ingrained shame in any number of things and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, fuck. Right. But, um, yeah. but, uh, but, I really admire the the bravery it takes to be friendly to people, mm. right? Because I often tell myself what, you know, you, you might want to be nice, but they don't give a shit, right? You right. know, they don't, they don't want to hear from you. They've got better things to do. Right. And so, you know, but it's like, it's really, it's really no skin off your back to be nice. You know, no. like it's, it's, it's no, cause the worst case scenario is somebody doesn't answer you. Right. In which case you're nowhere else worse off because that's <laughs> literally what's been happening already. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. So you might as well just try and be nice. But at the same time, like when I'm when I'm sitting here and and all of a sudden like I'll get a text message from somebody who I'm like, "Whoa, this person just sent me a text message? What the hell?" Like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a a friend of mine from way back, we just kind of started texting and and like we chatted on the phone recently because, you know, we hadn't talked in three or four years and you know we we were really close for a long time and then had a little bit of a of a falling out and, you know, but you know, we've both grown up and, and yeah. so, you know, we've just seeing this person's name pop up on my phone was so pleasant. Right. And, you know, just mm-hmm. to, if you're just sitting there and, you know, I'm not expecting a text from James and all of a sudden you send me a message like, Hey man, just checking in and seeing yeah. how you're doing. Like there's something kind of nice about that. And like you said, if, if I don't respond, then, you know, and it might not even be because I'm an asshole. It's just like, well, totally. But like, at least, yeah, like, what is it, what is affecting your life if I don't respond? But if I do, then it's like, okay, that's really cool. It's There's just, it's, good. it's, yeah. I love it. Man, Dave, we could fucking, uh, you know. Oh, God. This could be the God. longest we podcast could... of your of your career. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I hate to do this because it's, re- like, I genuinely, like, I just, I, I appreciate you so much. And I just, yeah. like, I'm right so, you, I'm so, I'm right? like, I'm, I'm so thankful that we met. And I'm just, like, right? I. I, you know, I joke, I joke that I'm really glad you quit so that I got to meet Sarah, <laughs> but I, I also am really glad that Liam quit so that I got to meet you, you know, totally. like it just, yeah. um, it was a, it was a, it's a, it's a time in my life that I'm endlessly grateful for. And, well, um, yeah, and, I just, like, uh, I just think the world of you, man. <laughs> I, 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 I echo those sentiments and I just think it's so funny. Like, you know, there's some people when you first meet them and it's like, okay, well, let's just kind of try and figure things out and, you know, see how we get along with this person. And then there's the people who are just like, well, we're friends. 
and we were we were definitely the latter i don't remember what exactly. we talked about the first day that you worked there but you we sat in the office and we chat i think about books and mm-hmm. like probably wrestling and like yep. just the most inane shit but it was just like it yep. was so easy and mm-hmm. and you know it's been three and a half years since we've spoken um because you know life and and Mm -hmm. you know but we here we are it's been an hour and three that we've been recording and you know even more because we we chatted for 10 minutes before that but like it's just it's so easy with you yep and right back at you you know unfortunately we got one last thing we got to do for the show so here we go i'm pulling up your facebook (laughs) david smith oh we are no longer Facebook friends. God damn it. I don't even get a <laughs> notification. Are... It's just like it's it's gone. You're just not yeah. a part of my Facebook life anymore, which is not just, a bad thing. Fuck Facebook. Just dust in the wind, man. Yeah. Dust in the wind. that's it thank you once more to my sweet baboo dave i love you and i miss you and i really hope we can catch up sooner rather than later i am making a concerted effort to be more proactive uh, as a friend this year so look out world jimmy's sending some unprompted texts probably we'll see if you like the show let your friends know Give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to share the links. Tell all your friends about Friendless and what a great show it is and how it's so much better than whatever crap they waste their time listening to. Speaking of wasting time, as was previously announced, Raised by the Movies, the podcast where my wife Jenica and I revisit old movies from our past and discuss how they helped contribute to the maladjusted waste case you see before you, is just about ready to launch. We're just in the process of doing final edits on the first batch of episodes, and we're hoping to have them ready to launch sometime hopefully in February, so peel those peepers for all that goodness coming your way. Don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. It's just a once a month update with article suggestions, book reviews, and exclusive writing straight to your inbox. Sign up in the link in the show notes or just go to friendlesspod.com. Scroll down to the little sign up box. You won't regret it, I promise. And really, even if you do, what's one more regret on the pile of this here life, huh? You got bigger things to keep you up at night. Like that dumb thing you said at that party 10 years ago. Everyone remembers. (laughs) No, they don't. That's dumb. Be nice to yourself, goddammit. Anyway, that's it for me. Have yourselves a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. Be sure to be nice to yourself and even nicer to someone else, and I'll see you soon. Fun and safety, y'all.